This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello everyone, how are you today? Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free uncommon sense parenting class. It's the end of November. We had a great time last weekend on the How to Raise Well-Behaved Kids class, and I am so excited about getting to work with everyone who joined Parentability and getting everyone set up for the new year. I am shocked that this is the last Mudroom episode of 2021. Like, where has the time gone? <laughs> my head still thinks it's March 2020, but I think that's kind of going to be like the millennium. Like. It was just too big and it broke us and it's forever going to be a marker in time. For those of you who are new, we don't put out any new content in December because you're busy, I'm busy. We've all got way more on our plate than we can actually handle. So we like to repost older episodes to highlight a few of our greatest hits from the last year so y'all can catch up and I can get ready for season five, which just hold the phone for a second. How are we on season five? <laughs> How have I been talking here for five years? That's just wild to me. It's, it still feels like the first episode every time. Let's put it that way. All right. I wanted to end the year on a very specific note because this has come up a lot in the past few months with schools, with parents, with daycares, anyone who has to discipline little kids. And it's gotten to the point where I have a bit of a canker sore forming on the back of my tongue from biting it whenever this comes up. So that's usually a pretty good indicator that it's time to talk about it. And that's the word but. Not as in your ass, as in, okay, but what about this? Specifically in the context of dysregulation. I keep hearing over and over and over some variation of, I know they were dysregulated, but. I know they were stressed, but. I know they were in red brain, but, and y'all, we really need to have a very frank chat about this. Before we get into it though, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Alana Robinson and I'm a parenting coach for parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners. I help you understand why your kids are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or timeouts. I'm your host here on The Mudroom. I'm also the host of the Parenting Posse Peer Support Facebook group, and I'm the creator of the Parentability Program, where I help you raise well-behaved kids of your own. If you're watching, say hi, let me know what you're most looking forward to in December. And while you're here, don't forget to like and subscribe so that you never miss another class and you don't miss season five. <laughs> That's not gonna get old. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about the word but. But, as you likely know, unless English is not your first language, is used to contrast different pieces of information. It was sunny, but it was windy. It was funny, but in bad taste. It's a qualifier. And as I said, often when I'm discussing dysregulation with parents, they'll say, I know they were dysregulated, but I can't let them hit. Or, I know they were in red brain, but screaming is unacceptable. Or my personal favorite, I know they were tired, but running away and crying wasn't going to fix it. 90% of the time, parents use the word but in relation to what I call the big four stressors. These are things that there's no way over, there's no way under, there's no way around, you gotta go through. They're sleep, food, elimination, and illness. They're base stressors. 
things that cannot be solved in any way other than providing the solution and that our brain perceives as life-threatening danger. Okay, so the message here is I know they were in a physiological state that they were unable to handle, but I still expected them to handle it. I still expected them to behave as though they were not dysregulated. I expected them to be able to regulate even though they were experiencing a stressor that they had no control over and I wasn't actually doing anything to help mitigate. And in fact, generally the expectation is actually not only that they handle the existing stressors, but that they also handle additional stressors in the meantime. <laughs> They're hungry, but they need to hold it together for the 30 minute ride home. They're tired, but they still need to behave at the party. They need to pee or poop, but they need to hold it together till we get home and they can use the washroom. This is not a developmentally appropriate expectation for young children. And I wanted to talk about it before the holidays get into full swing, because I know these situations arise much more frequently during the holidays. And I get it. Sometimes your child's regulation is not your top priority. Life happens. It's not about avoiding life and holding your kid's schedule above everything else or holding their needs above everything else. I'm not saying you have to leave the Christmas party or not go all together because you know it's going to run late and it's during your child's nap. I'm not saying you can't go to the parade because there won't be bathrooms immediately available. I am saying that you need to anticipate what your child's ability to regulate is and when it's going to start disappearing, okay? So it might start disappearing an hour before their typical bedtime and your expectations for their behavior have to shift at that point in time. Or that if you go to the parade, you need to plan ahead and have them pee before they leave and not load them down with liquids and also have a beat on where the public facilities are. <laughs> You have to expect that they won't be on their best behavior and either make a plan to regulate them or accept that your kiddo is just going to be a mess until you can fill the need. And that's totally okay. And I encourage you to put your own needs above your child's regulation sometimes. It's necessary, but it should be a conscious choice and your child should not be punished for your lack of planning or the unexpected circumstances or you prioritizing your own regulation. That's all. And even when you make a plan, it's not always gonna be perfect. Life happens. Sometimes the tank empties faster than you could have anticipated or for reasons that you can't actually see. And there's just no avoiding it. It happens to everyone. Sometimes they've got an illness coming on and what seems like a totally normal park date turns sour and it's not until two days later that they start showing symptoms and everything starts falling into place. Sometimes your father-in-law hurts himself as you're planning to wrap up your visit and you end up having to stay far later than you anticipated and your kids don't get to bed on time and you didn't have the supplies to regulate them because you weren't anticipating being there that long. Sometimes you're stuck in traffic and suddenly your child starts insisting that they need to poop right now. You can't anticipate every stressor. I'm not expecting you to because that's completely unrealistic. In those scenarios, there's no way you're going to regulate them other than solving the actual problem. 
the food, the sleep, the elimination, the illness. And in those scenarios, it's about mitigating the damage, not about getting them regulated. And managing as best you can until that base stressor can actually be solved. And I mean, I've had similar scenarios where we were at a Christmas party and it ran late and dinner was almost three hours later than I was told it would be. And my kids were hungry and tired and the snacks had run out long before. And it wasn't even that important. Like I could have left at any time. There was nothing keeping me there other than I was enjoying myself. I was socializing and my kids were for the most part holding it together. So I had another glass of wine knowing full well that I was probably going to get bit later that night when they were tired and I was putting them to bed. And I did twice, but that was my fault. (laughs) There was nothing that I could have done to avoid that other than what I didn't do, which was look at the clock and say, well, we've got to go put these kids to bed. So thanks for the invite, but unfortunately we won't be able to stay for the meal. The kid just needed his bed. And I had let him get overtired for no reason other than my own mental health is more important than his regulation. He didn't actually do anything wrong though. I did that to him. And other than getting bit, it was totally fine. He had a good sleep. He was happy as a clam in the morning. It was a temporary and tolerable stressor. It would not have been fair, however, to discipline him for biting me in that instance because he didn't have control over his behavior due to the circumstances I created. The other scenario but often comes up is, but my niece, nephew, neighbor's kid, other kids in their class could handle it. Why can't mine? Listen, you have no idea what is happening behind closed doors with other people's kids. Their kids might keep it together until they're home and then blow the roof off with a meltdown. They might get up far later than your kids or still nap and actually still be within their wake window. They may be scared to express their emotions because their parents use corporal punishment or gaslighting at home. And what you perceive as calm and compliant is actually freeze mode. Please do not hold the very tiny window that you get into someone else's life against the whole spectrum of yours. You cannot calmly handle your child's dysregulation when you're thinking, well, Amy's kid is fine, why aren't you? Comparison is the thief of calm. The moment we start to compare our experience with our perception of someone else's, we become dysregulated because we instantly feel attacked. And when we feel attacked, our brain will make us do just about anything to feel safe again. Only in this instance, it's your child's behavior that's the perceived danger. And that's generally when we behave in ways that we otherwise wouldn't, yelling, shaming, making threats, etc., and that we'll really regret in the morning. When those base stressors, sleep, illness, food, elimination, are involved, there's no way to teach out of those, okay? Nothing's going to solve those problems other than resolving the need. No amount of Lego or running or deep breathing or meditation or calming squeezes is gonna help. Kids do well if they can. And they did their best and so did you. That's all anyone can ask of you in those scenarios. There is nobody in this world who never experiences dysregulation and who has calm, compliant kids all the time. 
Get that expectation out of your head because it's not reality. We just want these instances of unsolvable dysregulation to be as few and far between as possible. Okay, that is the best case scenario. So for the occasions coming up, we know that those are going to be stressful situations. There's going to be strange people. They'll be out of routine. There's excitement around presence and food and music and dancing. So the best thing to do as parents is to try and make a plan to mitigate those stressors ahead of time. Anticipate them. Make an arrangement for a sitter to bring them home and put them to bed. Bring some typically regulating activities so that they get breaks throughout the gathering. Communicate with your hosts ahead of time about your time restrictions. That was my failure. <laughs> Bring a playpen or a cot and ask to put your child down for a nap. Bring a tablet for the ride home. One of my favorites is to bring my kids PJs and toothbrushes. And after dinner, we ask if we can just quickly shower them. And then we change them into their PJs and set them up with a tablet or reading a book with a willing relative so that even if we're leaving late and they fall asleep in the car, we can just plop them in their beds when we get home. We don't have to do the whole bedtime shenanigans. And it signals to the entire party that, hey, it's time to wind things down here. How it actually looks in practice can be totally custom to your family and traditions and how your gatherings typically function. You just want to make those plans ahead of time as much as possible. We want to, as much as possible, stay out of reaction mode. When you're in the moment and you notice that you're heading towards disaster, you generally don't have your tools available to you. It's kind of too late. You have time to prep them for the holiday festivities and mitigate the stress proactively. And you have the time to make a plan B for if they still get stressed and how to balance everyone's needs. Use that time wisely. Prepare your kids ahead of time and make a plan rather than just hoping everything will work out. There's a saying, failing to plan is planning to fail and that really applies here. <laughs> Using social stories and visuals can also really help in these scenarios. In Parentability, we have a full section of social stories that just deal with various holidays and traditions and events so that parents can easily prepare their kids for what will happen at these get-togethers. Remember, predictability and consistency is what makes kids feel safe. So even if they're going into a new situation that they've never been in before, or they haven't been in for two years due to a pandemic, using stories and visuals can really help to prepare them for what the expectations are, what the flow of the party will be, and reduce that energy output from trying to figure out what's going on and what the rules are. So all of that to say, prepare as best you can. Try and anticipate the stress and accept that even then, it might all go to hell. And if it does, that's not a reflection of you, your parenting, your child's typical behavior. It's okay. Tomorrow is a new day and it's not the end of the world. You will eventually look back on this and laugh. As always, if you need help brainstorming what that preparation might look like for your event or how to prepare your kids for it, come and let's chat about it in the parenting posse. We've got almost 10,000 parents also trying to figure it out too. So we might as well all brainstorm and figure it out together. The link is in the description. And that's a wrap on the mudroom for 2021. <laughs> Holy crap. Thank you 
you all so much for being here and being part of Uncommon Sense Parenting this year. I hope that if nothing else, we've made your kids' behavior a little bit more predictable, a little bit more understandable, and have reduced a bit of stress for you during this very stressful time. It's because of each and every one of you tuning in, listening, implementing, that we've been able to achieve so much in Uncommon Sense Parenting this year. So have a fantastic holiday season, everyone, and I will see you next year for more Uncommon Sense Parenting classes. Bye! You've been listening to The Mudroom on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us live every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.